Father, as we open Your Word, we open our hearts. We ask for Your grace and Your help and Your blessing. Please be our teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 begins in a very beautiful and simple way. Mark 1, 1 says this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark 1, 1, and I'm going to be reading the ESV today, so I know I keep changing all the time and it confuses you guys, but the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark tells the story of the gospel, and I mentioned last week, the word gospel has a military connotation. It is the sort of announcement that they would make, good news, good news, as our, as the, our army was winning the, the battle. So if you heard the announcement, good news, good news, you might be able to expect your son or your husband to come home safely that night. In Mark chapter 1, we're going to go now to verse 14, Mark 1 verse 14. Now after John, this is John the, um, the baptizer, John the baptizer was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Same thing, he's proclaiming the good news and saying, now notice what he says, the time is what? Fulfilled. Now, if you are in our first service this morning, we talked about this incredible time prophecy in the book of Daniel that predicted the time when the Messiah was going to come. And here in Mark 1, Mark is announcing the time is fulfilled. The, the prophecy of Daniel that predicted the coming of Messiah is, is, has been fulfilled and Messiah is here. Good news. Repent. Oh, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, we, we read this through our modern eyes, and, and we actually need to take some time and ask ourselves, what would have this meant to an enslaved, beaten down people? Now, you imagine you are a, a Jew living under a Roman occupation. And as I mentioned last Sabbath, the, the Romans were basically stomping you into the ground. The Romans were making your life difficult. The Romans were making everything about your life painful. And now we have the announcement. Good news, the Messiah has come. He's here. It's finally happening. The kingdom of God is at hand. What would have that meant to the first hearers. Now, to know what that would have meant, we actually need to spend some time looking at the Old Testament just to see what thoughts that would have triggered. Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 1. When they heard, the time is here, Messiah has come, the kingdom of God is at hand, what would they think? Isaiah chapter 2, we're going to look in verses 1 to 5. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Here, Isaiah says, 
the word of Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. Now, follow with me here. God's house is going to be established on the highest mountain. Now, in this worldview, the higher the mountain, the closer to God you are. You follow me here. So the idea here in Isaiah is is that God's house, the Jewish house for God, is going to be on the highest mountain. So all the other people who worshipped all the other gods, they would know that these people's gods, these people are the highest to the, they are the closest to the true God. And what's going to happen? When they see that the Jews' God is the true God and they are the closest to the true God, all nations will begin streaming into it. They shall say, verse verse 3, Many people shall come and say, Let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that He may teach us His ways, and we may walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord for Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and decide disputes among for the peoples, and they shall beat their swords into what? Plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. In Mark chapter 1, when the announcement is made, Messiah's come, the kingdom of God is at hand, Good news, good news, good news. What went through their mind? What not, I'm not asking what you hear. I know what you hear. I'm asking what they would have heard. And what they would have heard is, ah, finally, everyone around us is going to know that you're the true God. Everyone's going to know that we're close to the true God and we're learning from the true God and and they're going to come and learn from the same true God and and all the wars and the disputes and, and all of that is going to be gone. A time is going to come where our swords are going to be turned into plows because war is over. And our spears, they're going to be turned into pruning hooks because we're all going to have great Wonderful gardens filled with pomegranates. They love pomegranates over there. The best pomegranates I ever had, pomegranate orange juice squeezed right on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea in Turkey. Mmm, glory. When they heard that the Messiah has come and the kingdom of God is here, they, they heard that war is coming to an end, that God is going to be close to all of humanity. Isaiah, Isaiah 29, verse 18. Isaiah 29, verse 18, and we'll read 18 to 24. Isaiah 29, 18 to 24. What kind of thing did they hear? In that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a book, 
And out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the land, or fresh joy in the Lord. The poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless shall come to nothing, and the scoffer cease, and all who watch to do evil shall be cut off who by a word make a man out to be an offender and lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate and with an empty plea turn aside him who is in the right. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the Redeemer, uh, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall no more be ashamed, no more shall his face grow pale. For when he sees his children, the works of my hands in the midst They will sanctify my name. They will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob. They will stand in awe of the God of Israel. And those who have, who go astray in spirit will come to understanding and those who murmur will accept instruction. I mean, can you imagine? They believe when the Messiah come, the blind would see, the deaf would hear, that, that, that peace and community would begin to spread through society. When they hear the Messiah has come, good news, gospel, when they hear that, they are imagining the total transformation of society. Isaiah, Isaiah 35, what did they hear when they heard the good news? Isaiah 35, we're going to read verses 1 to 10. Isaiah 35 verses 1 to 10. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. Oh, good news. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. He will, with the recompense of God, He will come and save you. Can you imagine? Again, your, your, your face is being ground into the dirt by the Romans. You are, your, as I mentioned in first service, if you are a woman, you can expect to maybe live to 25 years old if you're lucky. They are taking your, you, you, you go out and you work all day long and you come home with enough food to eat maybe one meal a day. And in their ears all the time they're thinking, God has promised a time when the desert is going to spring like a garden and the blind are going to see and the deaf are going to hear and there's going to be abundance of food and our enemies are going to be overthrown and peace and harmony is going to be through uh, pervasive through society and critical words are going to be gone and the world is going to be transformed. The eyes, I'm in verse 5 here, the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf, 
deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool. The thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals where they lie down. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. The highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way, even if they are fools. I love that. Even if they are fools, they will not go astray. I like that. When He comes, He's going he's to give us water and He's going to give us gardens and, and there's going to be a highway and it's going to be so wide that no one is led astray. Not even fools. No lion shall be there nor any ravenous beast come upon it, for they uh, they shall not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, sorrow and sighing, shall flee away. When they heard the announcement of the good news of the kingdom of God, that Messiah has come, these are the kind of images and words that flashed through their hearts and minds. Isn't that beautiful? Now, Who was the first person to proclaim that Messiah had come? Who was he? John the Baptizer. I like calling him John the Baptizer instead of John the Baptist because there were no Baptists, you know, in his day. Right? John the Baptizer... He was the first person to understand that Messiah had come, and he began to go around proclaiming, Behold the Lamb of God, the Messiah, He is here! Good news! Good news! Good news! Imagine, imagine the crushing, listen now, imagine the crushing disappointment that must have gripped his heart when he was arrested by the Roman ruler. Oh, here he is living in the desert as a prophet of God, proclaiming Messiah, Messiah is come, good news, good news. Now he is locked in a dungeon under the Roman yoke. Imagine the suffering that must have gone through his heart as he languished in prison day after day. Luke actually tells us, Luke actually tells us about that disappointment. Luke chapter 7, we're going to begin probably around verse 20. Luke 7, oh church, I, I just can't imagine with all that hope and all that expectation and all of 
everything that you have dreamed about and hoped for and told your children about and longed for, all of it just just hoping and waiting and now the Messiah's come and you're thinking it's all going to happen and you are rotting in a prison cell. In Luke 7, verse 18, John's disciples come and tell him about what's going on. And in verse 19, and John called two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Oh, wow. I mean, doesn't this give you a glimpse of the agony and the disappointment that he must have been experiencing? He thinks, Messiah's come, good news, the the rivers are going to start flowing and the gardens are going to start growing and the Roman Empire is going to be cast off and, and they might even repent and come worship the true God. This is what he's expecting and instead he's in prison. And he calls his disciples and he says, can you go ask Jesus, are you really the Messiah? Are you the one? Are you for real? Is this the real Messiah? Because it's not feeling very Messiah-like right now. And when the men had come to him, that's Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And in that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the good news preached to them and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Gulp. Go tell John what you're seeing and remind him that I am who I claim to be and don't stumble. That's offend, stumble, it's the same Don't stumble. Don't stumble. Church, you ever been disappointed in Jesus? That's where John was. You you, you know what happens next. John's head is chopped off and served on a platter to a little girl. This leads to a really important question that really Mark, the Gospel of Mark, is is really focused on answering, okay? And here's the question, okay? If this is what the Old Testament promised about the coming of the Messiah, this glorious transformation of the world, okay? That's what the Old Testament promised. Everybody knew that. Okay, if that's what the Old, Pro- Old Testament promised, this glorious transformation of every piece of society, why is it not happening? 
when, when the Messiah comes. Do you guys, do you feel the tension of the question this morning? Like, if this is what God had said in Isaiah, this is what God had promised, and, and, and now Messiah is coming, and He's doing some of that stuff, but it's not leading to the wholesale transformation of society, what is going on? Do you feel the tension in that question? Mark answers this question with two parables. I say Mark. Jesus answers this question in the Gospel of Mark with two parables. Both of these parables help us to understand why the whole transformation of the world did not take place when Jesus came, as expected, and why it will only take place at the end of time with this cataclysmic apocalypse, okay? And what I want you to understand here is God did not want a cataclysmic apocalypse. That was not God's plan. That was not God's desire. All this prophecy seminar, God would have been happy if it never had to happen. Because He had a different plan, the plan we described, the plan the Jews were expecting and hoping for. That plan didn't happen, and we're going to look at Mark chapter 12. Go there to Mark chapter 12, and you'll see why that beautiful, global, transformative plan did not happen. Mark chapter 12, and we're going to begin in verse 1. Wow. Mark 12, verse 1. He began to speak to them in parables. I like this parable because it's really clear. He began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to his to tenants and went into another country. I'm in Mark 12, verse 2. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard, and they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. And he still had one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them saying, they will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, ah, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. They took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. And what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read the Scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. What does this parable say? God created a beautiful world, and He put us as stewards of it. We rebelled against Him, and what did God do when we rebelled against Him? He sent servants, little by little through time, speaking to us, calling us back to God, calling us to integrity, calling us to responsibility, calling us to justice and love 
And what did we do with all of those prophets all of the time? We, we rejected them, we killed them, we mistreated them. And so God says, look, I've got one final effort I'm going to make. I am going to send my son. I'm going to come. God himself in human flesh is going to come. And how, do, how did humanity treat Christ? They rejected him and nailed him to a tree. So, the question is not, the, the problem with Jesus coming and transforming the world had nothing to do with the inadequacy of the Messiah. And that's what Jesus says to John the baptizer. John is asking, are you really the guy? And Jesus says, duh, look what's happening. The blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, the dead are being raised, the, 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 the poor have the gospel preached to them. Yes, I'm the guy. But the reason the world is not experiencing the kind of transformation that the world was supposed to receive when the Messiah comes is because those tenants who were in charge rejected not just me, they rejected the history of the prophets, then they rejected me. And so, guess what? There has to be an apocalypse. There has to be, well, what does he say there in, Revela- or in, in, in Mark chapter 12? He says, the owner, I'm in verse 9, the owner of the vineyard, what's he going to do? He will come and he will destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. You get the idea here. Because people rejected Messiah, Messiah is going to have to, God is going to have to take the vineyard away and give it to those who are open to receiving it. Now, that's the first parable. By the way, just ask a simple question. Is this a helpful way of kind of understanding what you read in the Old Testament and then what you see happening with the story of Jesus? Like, what, why is there this difference? Is this helpful? Okay. Second parable, Mark chapter 3. Mark, or excuse me, Mark 4, excuse me, Mark 4. In the parable of Mark 4, you have the parable of the sower. It's a very famous parable. I love this parable. It's so simple and beautiful. Jesus began to teach beside the sea. I'm in Mark 4, verse 1. We're just going to read through uh, quite a little bit of this. Mark 4, beginning in verse 1. He began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him. So he got into the boat and sat on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And as he was teaching them in many things, many things in parables, and teaching them, he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed, and some seed fell along the path. Now, where the path is, it's very hard and compact, and the seed doesn't get in. And so, what does it say? The birds came and devoured it. I, this, this, I, I was in, um, uh, I was teaching in um, the Ukraine, 
and I uh, went out to visit these farms. You know, there's a lot of rural areas in the Ukraine. I went out to visit these farms, and, and they have these beautiful, um, beautiful lands that's all tilled up, ready for crops. And then in between the crops, they have these just really compacted trails where people have gone year by year, year by year, year by year. And you could actually walk on their, you know, the fields are muddy, but you could walk on the, the path and not even get your shoes muddy because they had been so compacted over time. So the sower goes out to plant seed, and he plants the seed, and some seed falls on the path. The path is so compacted that it can't get into the soil. The birds come and eat it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. Immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him here. Now, in verse 13, Jesus explains the meaning of this parable. And, and what I want you to understand here is something really important. Messiah has come. He is spreading the word, but the success of the mission of the Messiah, listen now, depends on the kind of soil that his message comes to. Are you following me here? It depends on the kind of soil, the kind of person his message comes to. So there it says in verse 13, he explains the parable, verse 14, the sower who sows the word, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown when they hear immediately Satan immediately comes and takes the word that is sown in them. Now, in the book of Mark, what we're going to see, and, and, and I think I find this to be extremely exciting, what we see in the book of Mark is that there are only four kinds of people in the book of Mark. There are people in the book of Mark who are path people, people who hear God's word and then it is immediately stolen out of their heart. In the book of Mark, there are rocky soil people, people who hear God's word and then in time of trouble abandon it. There are thorny soiled people. Those are people who hear it and they love the world and other things and therefore they do not grow. And then there are good soil people. And the parable of the sower is actually in the book of Mark a tool for understanding why all the great things that were supposed to happen when the Messiah came didn't happen. Do you see what I'm saying here? So the first kind are people on the path. And the people on the path are the people like the scribes and Pharisees. Okay, all throughout the book of Mark, when the scribes and Pharisees, when they hear the words of Jesus, what do they immediately do? What's that? They reject it. The moment, the moment they hear Jesus, they, they, they immediately, they just, we don't believe you. We don't agree with you. They have questions. They, they're, they're always fighting against everything that Jesus does. They are path people. Now, the second kind of people 
are rocky soil people, and this one is really, really cute, okay? And I use the word cute. I think it's, Jesus is an awesome, awesome person. Look what it says there, verse 16. The one sown on what kind of ground? Rocky ground. The ones who hear the word immediately receive it with joy. Now, I want you to mark that word. How do they receive it? Immediately with joy. They have no root in themselves and endure a while, and then when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Okay. Now, keep your hand there in Mark 4. Go to Mark chapter 1, verse 18. Let's see how the disciples received the word of God. Verse 16 Jesus is passing along the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, verse 17, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed Jesus. Who is it in the gospel of Mark that immediately follows Jesus? The disciples. Now, go to Mark chapter 3. You're going to love this. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, Jesus calls the 12 apostles to Himself. Oh, you've got to see this. Notice what it says there in verse 16. He appointed the 12, Simon, whom He gave the name what? Do you know what Peter means? Rocky. Now, we... If I were translating the New Testament, I would give Peter the name Rocky. My next-door neighbor when I was growing up, his name was Rocky. If, if the Bible translations were not so stuck on tradition, they would do, a, I think, a better job and call Peter what his name means. It's Rocky. Now, I want you to just think about this. Jesus is telling a story, and he's like, okay, there, a sower went out to sow, and he cast some seed in. Some fell on the, the, um, the packed down, the pavement soil, and, and the birds came and plucked it up. You can see the Pharisees here every time I teach. Immediately, the devil snatches the teaching away. Some soil falls on rocky soil, Peter. They respond immediately, just like you did, Peter. And it grows up really quickly. And then when trouble comes, it falls away just as fast as it came up. And you know the story of Peter there in the Garden of Geth, in, 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 uh, when Jesus is on trial in Mark 14. Let's look there, Mark 14, verse 66. Mark 14, verse 66, Peter is there in the courtyard and one of the servant girls of the high priest came. Verse 67, she sees Peter warming himself, and she looked at him and said, Are you, you also were a Nazarene? Are you, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus? But what? He denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the cock crowed. And the servant girl saw him, and he began again to say by, to the bystanders, this man was, is one of them, but again he denied it. 
After a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately, there's that word again, the cock crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus said, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Good news, Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming and all that transformative stuff we read about in the Old Testament, it's going to happen. But then it doesn't. Because he was rejected and despised. Because some of the seed, like the seed for the Pharisees, fell on the, on the path. And some of the seed fell on the rocky soil. What about some fell among the thorns and the cares of the world kept it from growing? You might remember the story of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and, and, and Jesus, well, let's look at it. Look what, look what it says there in, in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. He's not even, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 17, look what happens with this. As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before Jesus and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Whoa, don't all of us pastors here wish that we had people asking that question all the time? Jesus said, why do you call me good? None is good except God. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, teacher, I all these I have kept from my youth. Listen to these words. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Wow. The Pharisees, they were the seed on the path. The disciples, they're the ones that heard it immediately responded quick, grew quick, and failed quick. The rich young ruler, he's the thorns, the cares of this world, and the riches of this life. Choke out God's Word. What about those that fell on the good soil? I think of the woman who had the issue of blood, who thought to herself, if I could just touch the garment of Jesus, I would be healed. That's faith in the Word of God. Amen? Think about the man, wasn't even a Jew, whose child was sick on the cusp of death, in fact, did die. And Jesus raised the child from the dead. That's good soil. I think, I think of the Syrophoenician woman that Jesus called a little dog. There's no way to cut it. That's not nice. Right? 
And she said, even the dogs get crumbs from the master's feet. What was she saying? She's saying, I know who you are, and nothing can dissuade me from you. That's good soil. Oh, what about our friend Rocky? You know Rocky, Peter? He heard immediately, grew up quick, in time of persecution, died quick, fell away quick. But when he saw the resurrection, do you know what he became? He became good soil. Amen? Listen to me. We started telling this story about the glorious, transformative things that would happen when Messiah would come. And how these people were in agony waiting for that day. And when the day came, it didn't happen. But it did happen. You get me? It didn't happen for the whole world because the majority were bad soil and rejected Him. What was planned for the glorious transformation of the society, we have to be content with the glorious transformation of the individual. For the transformation of society, we have to wait for the apocalypse because the majority rejected and killed the Son. Do you follow me here today? So what are we waiting for? I'll tell you what I, what I want. I want to be good soil. Amen? I want to, when I hear the Word, I want to receive it, and I want to have some depth to myself in Christ. I want to grow, and I want to produce fruit. I want the transformative power of the coming of the Messiah to be at work in my life, and I want to share that with others. And when those who are good soil, who choose to be good soil like Peter did after the resurrection, when all those who have chosen that have chosen that, Jesus is going to come again, and then you know what? Society is going to be totally transformed. And there will be springs in the desert, and the, the, the swords will be turned into plowshares, and the blind will see, and the dead will be raised, and the deaf will hear, and the, the dead are going to be resurrected, the wolf and the lamb are going to lie together, and the world is going to be just what we all want. To get there to that glorious outcome God was creating through the Messiah, to get there, we need to do something here. And that is let God's Word take deep root in our lives. Trust in Christ. Let the gospel unleash its transformative power in our lives. Are you hearing me this morning? This is the plan. The plan was always the restoration and transformation of everything. It can't happen because the majority don't let the gospel and the Word of God take root. But it can happen individually. And when it's happened individually, then Christ will come and it will happen collectively.
I want to sing together. You guys want to sing? I want to sing, Give Me the Bible. I think that's a great song because it's about God's Word taking root in our lives. My hope, my prayer for us today as we, as we leave here is that we will look to the glorious future that God has for us, totally transformed world, totally transformed society, totally transformed in a way where there's no death, no pain, no suffering, no heartache, nothing but all good all the time. And the only way we can be there is by the transformative power of the gospel and the Word of God in our lives now. Father, thank You. Thank You for Your goal, Your vision of transforming our society, bringing justice, letting justice flow like like rivers through every aspect of society, bringing peace like a river, righteousness like the waves of the sea, bringing an end to war and pain and bloodshed. Lord, thank You for the promise of a world with no death and sorrow and pain. And Lord, we saw a glimpse of this in the coming of Jesus. We're sorry, Lord, for the bad soil in our lives that keep that kept that from happening on a global scale. We're sorry, Lord, that so many have rejected You and it's kept that from happening. Lord, today we receive You. Today, Lord, we ask that, that, that You would make us agents of justice and goodness and love in this world. Lord, that, that we could be a little exhibit of what transforms society and culture looks like. And Lord, may Your Word just lodge deep in our hearts so that when Jesus comes again and does transform everything, we're among those just and righteous people who can live there. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.